One of the main goals of Hasidus is to bring out and reveal the deeper meaning of every word and mitzvah of the Torah. And in fact, the inner reason of why Hashem created the world and everything in it. Also, Hasidus brings out the inner uh, greatness of a Yid, revealing his atzmus, his essence. One of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev is an explanation of why regular Yidin are called Am Ha'aretz, the people of the land. And he explained that when a person looks at the earth, he may see land that's barren, that can't, nothing good can grow there, no one wants to live there. But when he goes deeper into the land, he'll find the earth's greatest treasures, diamonds, gold, precious metals, oil, minerals. So the same thing is true of every single Yid. Even those who on the surface might not look like the best Yid, and they might be unworthy of being called a Yid. If you go a little deeper, you're gonna find that every single Yid has exceptional qualities. Now while all the Rabbeim obviously kept this philosophy, this way of thinking, the, the, it was especially true that we could see it very clearly by the Rebbe Maharash. We're gonna see in a, later on that the majority of the Rebbe Maharash's Hasidim were, were considered simple Yidin. Unlike the Tzamaq Sadek who had these huge Tamidei Chachamim, by the Rebbe Maharash, things were much more, uh, like it seemed that the Yidin were much more simple. Yet, he saw and brought out the tremendous potential in every single one of these Yidin. One such Chassid was Rebbe Reb Elie Abela. So I'm just going to say a few interactions that he had with the Rebbe Maharash. Rebbe Elia was street smart. You know what street smart means? No. That he might not be good at learning books, but he was good at uh, you know, going on the street and maybe making a quick buck, you know, like things like that. So he, he, he didn't know how to learn so well, but he, was, he had other, you know, his brain worked in a different way. He was tall, he was charming. He enjoyed a friendly relationship with many Hashavet people. And he was good at also like uh, making jokes. And they would often invite him, these noblemen would invite him to their homes to introduce him to, his, to, the, to their family. And while he would use these opportunities to his advantage, that, that he was able to, because he got friendly with the, this parts over here, he was able to buy a lot of land from him or the, the rights to cut the lumber. At the same time, when you're going to so many Goyesha houses, that puts you into a problem where you could end up doing a lot of Averis. Once, during a Yechidus, he mentioned to the Rebbe Maharash that his, his cheery nature put him in a Ruchni Yisdika, like, uh, danger. And the Rebbe Maharash told him, he says, Elia, I am jealous of your greatness. Because he was basically trying to tell him that yeah, you're put into these situations, but you're able to withstand it. Forty years later, when the Rebellia was already 70, so he, he said to the Rebbe Rashab, he said, your father's bracha 
and his words of encouragement gave me the ability to withstand and overcome even the most difficult tests. However, his success in business didn't help him when it came to learning Torah. In, in the, in the, in, when it came to Torah learning, he was extremely limited. Uh, and to, to pick him up in this area as well, the Rebbe Marash once again used the phrase that he said earlier in Yechidus, the, the Rebbe told him like this, Elia, I am jealous of you. You travel to all these fairs and the markets and you meet many people. And when you're in the middle of your business transaction with others, you talk to them about something, a, a Torah thought, something from Ein Yaakov, and you inspire them to study Nigla and Hasidus. This makes a lot of joy in Shemayim. And Hashem pays a commission for this. Like He gives you something with brachis of children, health, parnasa. And the larger the market, the more work there is to be accomplished and the more like, the livelihood is granted. Just one more conversation that the Rebbe had with him. Once, when he came to the Rebbe for Yechidus, the, the Rebbe, the Sky Rebbe Elia, came to the Rebbe Manash for Yechidus, the Rebbe asked him how he's doing and he says, Baruch Hashem. And uh, how are you doing financially? Baruch Hashem. However, Rebbe, I'm in tremendous pain about the situation of Rabbi Yosef. He lives in our community and the townspeople put together some money to help him uh, get him established as a wagon driver. And we bought a horse and wagon for him. But he just has no success. And he constantly has problems. One day the axle of the wagon breaks and the, then the horse breaks a leg the next day. And finally after it heals, the horse gets stolen from him. Every possible problem you could imagine, Rebbe, is happening to him. Rebbe, how am I supposed to help him? And Rebbe Elia breaks down crying. And he says, Rebbe, give me a bracha that I should succeed in helping him. And the Rebbe Marash replied, you can help him tremendously. Because when a Yid is pained by the misfortune of another Yid, and you request things for his behalf, he removes all the Gazetas and Shemayim against him. The Rebbe then took out a coin and gave it to Rebellion and he said, I desire to be your partner in this and Hashem should assist you in doing a favor for another Yid and may your efforts be successful. Right? This is the relationship that the Rebbe Maharaj had with his Hasidim. So again, the majority of them were not huge Tamidi Chachamim, they were simple Yidin. But he was able to always uplift them, to bring them, to, to help them go higher and higher. Each Rebbe was a continuation of the previous Rebbe. Whatever the previous Rebbe did, you, the, the, the Rebbe would then build on that. Expand it. Right? So, so if the Rebbe, the, the, the Alta Rebbe said a mimer. The Mithla Rebbe said a similar mimer, but he added some things. Then the Temach Tzedek comes along and he adds more, right? And every Rebbe adds more and more. And one of the ways we see this is from the first, the, 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 from the fact that the first mimer of each Rebbe was the explanation of the last mimer that the previous Rebbe said. 
And we see this even more by the Rebbe Marash. When a chassid would come to him for Yechidus for the first time, he would ask him, where are you holding and fulfilling my father's guidance to you in your, in your last Yechidus with him? And after the person would answer, the Rebbe Marash would say, okay, that's where you're holding, let's work from there. A certain chassid was appointed by the Tzemach Sadek to serve as mashpia of a select group of chassidim in Vitebsk. And this chassid once came to the Rebbe Marash, and the Rebbe asked him the same question. What have you been doing to fulfill my father's directive to you, to, to be the mashpia in Vitebsk? And the chassid replied, by proudly describing some of his accomplishments. Oh, when we dive in, I make sure to be the shliach tzibur. Why? This way I could set the pace. I make sure davening doesn't go too fast. I say the words very slowly, giving everyone time to have kavana and think about the meaning of the words. And additionally, we make a point to daven quietly. This way, we don't want anyone to like burst out in excitement and disturb everyone's deep concentration. And Baruch Hashem, it's a chassidish minion. And then Rebbe Marash says to him, a shliach tzibur stands on the threshold between merit, between schus, and the opposite, and avedis. If he acts properly, he merits that the whole minion gets uplifted. But if he doesn't act properly, he's a sinner because he's causing everyone else to sin and not daven properly. And the Mashpia realized that the Rebbe was implying that he has to reevaluate this whole approach, that he's thinking in his head, oh, we have the best minion in the world. Was he fulfilling his role of Mashpia the way he was supposed to? Was he really elevating the Hasidim? Or maybe he was doing the opposite. So walking out of the Yechidus, he, he, this, this guy became a different person. And he later said that the Rebbe scraped away the, the coarseness of my heart and put a new neshama there. And the chassid returned to Vitebsk before Shabbos. And on Friday night, he went over to the Omud to, to, to right, he's the chazan. However, instead of davening quietly like he did until then, this time with the Rebbe's words still ringing in his ears, he davened out loud with a lot of feeling. And he expressed more emotion at that time than he would normally show on Yom Kippur by Kol Nidre. And the rest of the minion was so inspired that they also started davening like this. And like, like this, this uh, Kabbalah Shabbos. After the minion's over, people... Sorry, there were, there were people who davened in other shuls, so they finished a little earlier. And, um, and um, they, they passed by this shul, and they, uh, you know, on their way home from shul, they're shocked to hear the davening that was going on. It's like, it's like a regular Shabbos. It sounds like Yom Kippur going on over here. Especially from this minion, which was known to be a very quiet minion. And people were just like stopping there to listen to the, to the people davening by this minion. This is the effect that the Rebbe Maharash was able to have by, have, by saying one little line to a chassid, the whole town gets changed.
And in fact, this was the Rebbe Maharash's general approach to Yechidus, that he would give a short little thing, and the Chassid was supposed to think about that little thing, and that was supposed to change his life. However, sometimes the Chassid didn't fully understand the Rebbe's words on his own. He wasn't sure what the Rebbe wanted him to do. So as we're going to see from the following story, Chassidim were honest with themselves. If they didn't understand what the Rebbe said, so you ask him a shpia to explain it. It was Tishrei in the year 1866. It's the first Rosh of the Rebbe Maharash's Nasius. And a group of Chassidim from Hummel had come to visit the Rebbe Maharash. And each one was granted a Yechidus with him. And one of the Chassidim in the group, his name was uh, Repesach. He, he was upset. He, he, you know, he tells the Rebbe that he doesn't have time to think about the greatness of Hashem because he's a peddler. He's constantly driving his wagon from town to town. So the Rebbe tells him as follows. When you travel in, in your wagon from city to city to sell your merchandise, you have the opportunity to constantly be on the level of <clears throat> lift your eyes towards heaven. And you should know that Shema is Yisrael. So he didn't really understand what the Rebbe's message was, so the Chassid approached the Mashpia, Rebbe Mordechai Yoyo Duchman. He was the one who inspired the whole group of Chassidim from Hummel to go in the first place. And he asked him to explain what the Rebbe meant. And the Rebbe Yoyo said like this, the first letters of the, of the three words, right? Sin Mem Ayin spells out Shema. And the Pasa continues that the reason you should lift your eyes towards Shemayim is because this helps him see and, and think about the one who created the world. And the Rebbe is telling you as follows. It's possible to look at your livelihood as something that stops your connection to Hashem. Because you're constantly traveling, you, it's not like you could be in shul as often as you would like to be. You can't dive in each tefillah with a minion. And, and, and you, you might not be able to learn every single day as much as you should. However, you're, you're traveling around. You're, 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 you're traveling in a wagon on top of the wagon. You can look up and see the Shemayim. Lift your eyes to Shemayim and think about Hashem this way. Uh, when we'll continue this story tomorrow.